Welcome to the Hopkins Press Podcast. I'm Mary Alice Yeski with the Hopkins Press Journals Division. Last month, the United States Post Office announced its 2023 slate of stamp designs, which includes tributes to writers Toni Morrison and Ernest Gaines, both of whom died in 2019. Our guest today, Dr. Raphael Walker, recently published a paper in the journal Arizona Quarterly that examines how Gaines's last book, The Tragedy of Brady Sims, draws parallels to Toni Morrison's beloved. Dr. Walker is an assistant professor of English at Baruch College, City University of New York. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Walker. I'm so excited to talk to you about your paper. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. The first question we'd like to ask all our guests is, can you tell us your academic origin story? What led you to your specific area of research and academic focus? Sure. Uh, you're taking me back now, but um, <laughs> it uh, I didn't start off as a lover of books, which is something uh, you won't hear from a whole lot of people who are professors of English. But um, I got into it with American literature. I remember, and I won't, I will spare you the sappiness of my high school uh, sort of crush on the awakening um but that, that, <gasps> oh that, but, but you oh. now you're now you're talking my language though because I love that book so much <laughs> I'm good. swooning I'm swooning if you say the awakening I'm in I'm in you know, such a feel-good story right right oh yeah it's, it's, it's a gem <laughs> pick a real pick me up <laughs> but that it was that novel that got me both into reading and into American literature nice nice um which I continued um, when I went to college um, and then went to graduate school and kept doing uh, American literature. Um, and as I was graduating, um, there was, uh, let us say, um, a bit of a racial reckoning going on. And by, by that, I mean uh, Black Lives Matter uh, was, was really beginning when I I uh, was finishing up graduate studies. Mm. And before I hadn't worked a whole lot with African-American literature, but just the discussion surrounding race um, in the country sort of showed me that it was an all hands on deck uh, situation. So I felt sort of drawn to um, kind of contribute what I could as an English professor and started um, moving my research more in the direction of African-American literature um, to um, help to um, help the culture make sense uh, of a lot of these issues as best uh, I could. So I work in uh, American literature broadly, but I'm someone who sees all American literature, uh, be it by Black people or Hispanic people or whomever, as part of American literature. So mm -hmm. I don't see them as, as separate uh, at mm -hmm. all. Interesting. Thank you so much. Your paper in Arizona Quarterly is a detailed look at Ernest Gaines' The Tragedy of Brady Sims and some of the parallels between that book and Toni Morrison's Beloved. What led you to draw the comparison of those two books? How did you bring them together? So um, I read um, The Tragedy of Brady Sims pretty much as soon as it came out. I've long been an admirer of um, Ernest Gaines. And you know, when you see something as dramatic as a plot device where a parent kills its, uh, his own child, that's big, right? And instantly my mind uh, went to Beloved and I thought to myself, okay, well, obviously this is some kind of um, engagement with mm -hmm. Morrison's work. 
that fact alone. So when one uh, sort of megastar contemporary uh, engages with another, that's a literary event in itself. And I thought, mm -hmm. okay, there's something to be said about that. And then it was also um, just the moment in which he had chosen uh, to have make that literary illusion or that intertextual link. Uh -huh. um, you know, much of the, uh, so with Black Lives Matter um, and the attention uh, then, then and now being paid to the um, kind of suffering and oppression of uh, Black people, um, you know, that movement focused mainly on Black men uh, at first, and many have argued that it came uh, at the expense of Black women. That's true, but it also, um, that line of, of inquiry or those questions, um, they also had the effect of kind of splitting or creating this division between Black men and Black women, Black men and Black feminism. Um, and of course, this was all abetted by um, the intersection of these movements with the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. um, and it was sometimes, um, not so much in scholarship, though sometimes there, but certainly in the mainstream, a lot of the... Um, of differences between black men and black women were being emphasized or mm. overstated, exaggerated really mm. is the uh, better way to put it. That made it seem that black men were somehow um, on the same level or capable of the same level of um, uh, discrimination that white men were. And that just wasn't true mm. um, because as we know, it is often the case that unlike with white men, for black men, it's their very masculinity that ac actually is a liability some mm -hmm. of the time, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's not true uh, for white men. So Gaines reaching to um, his sort of most preeminent uh, contemporary in black feminism seemed to me um, this move to try to heal that breach mm -hmm. that was uh, being widened by the way that we were uh, separating uh, black people and talking about talking about them differently based on gender, mm -hmm. um, and so that I thought I thought a, a book speaking to that as well uh, was super super timely and something we needed to be paying attention to. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. So you note in his work that Gaines can, I'm going to quote you, conspicuously abstains from entering into the psyches of its victims, the community's young black men, trying to avoid this, the kind of psychologizing in Morrison's beloved. And that uh, this strategy compels readers to locate the illness, not in them, but in their circumstances. Mm -hmm. Do you also think that 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 sort of distancing that he does, uh, do you think uh, from the minds and, and the point of view of the victim and victims in the book, do you think it mm -hmm. makes the that that very painful and violent story easier to read um, and less painful on the reader when there's when there's a little bit of a, a wall there? It's a good question. Um... It could in less capable hands. Mm, um, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> you know, I think that, you know, for good reasons, mm -hmm. um, uh, scholarship about 
uh, Black people and really about oppressed minorities or groups in general, including uh, sexual minorities, women, and so forth. For good reason, they've wanted to find moments in literature that show uh, these groups showing agency. Mm. Right? They're not completely disempowered. They um, are kind of within their disempowerment, finding ways to self-realize or to um, kind of move forward with their own communities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very good thing. But in emphasizing agency, as I think Gaines was well aware, we can sometimes really forget or miss pointing the finger where the blame lies. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, in showing that, you know, these are just people trying to live their lives. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, it's actually all of these external forces, be they sociological, legal, whatever. It's these forces that are um, affecting their lives or making it so hard for them uh, to live. It actually seems in certain ways even more tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, their victimhood seems even more emphasized um, than it might seem if you um, highlight their agency too mm-hmm. much. And of course, nobody wants to be a victim, but sometimes people are. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in, especially um, in the gosh, graphic parade of, um, you know, Black men and women who were the the victims of police crime, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's uh, the people who are supposed to protect you are actually the ones killing you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think in a case like that, emphasizing agency um, is really not the way to go because of course, this is what um, uh, so many of the police officers mm-hmm. who have uh, inflicted violence on Black people said, oh, they resisted yep. or they did X. Mm-hmm. Um, and in moving out of the psychology or in moving away from focusing on the agency uh, of uh, these characters and the Black people that they mm-hmm. represent in society, that comes through, um, I think, a bit more clearly. And the tragedy um, mm-hmm. We have to remember that's the name of uh, Gaines's novella, The Tragedy of Brady mm-hmm. Sims. That tragedy, I think, becomes even uh, more acute, and more mm-hmm. visible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, for me as a reader, no, it's actually not easier mm-hmm. uh, to read. It becomes even uh, sadder. Right. No, I think that's a really great point. And I agree with you. I agree with you. And I also kind of agree it can be both. But I guess I love the way you explained it because it it takes all the negotiables out and it just gets you down to the humanity. Like this person should, this should not have happened to this person. Even if they were a terrible person, this should not have happened to this person. No, I really, that's a really good point. I'm I'm going to read, reread, I think with that, with that in mind. And if I can just add also, um, one of the things they talk about in the essay um, is that, uh, you know, one of the risks that you run in focusing on kind of the psychic costs mm-hmm. of racism, uh, you know, in Morrison's case, it was racism plus slavery and mm-hmm. uh, all these other things. Um, you can risk pathologizing uh, mm-hmm. the, the characters. That's not what Morrison does. She shows right. that um, 
everything that is um, kind of wrong with them, all their duress is the product of the world that the they system. live in. Um, but I think what Gaines wanted to show is that these people are perfectly normal. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, uh, you know, even in terrible circumstances, mm -hmm. such as uh, those that his characters and Morrison's are living in, it, it's almost sort of miraculous that people can end up being okay and well-adjusted. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, just as I say, said before that focusing on agency um, can uh, sometimes occlude some of the problems that are going on. It's also true that showing that your characters can remain sane in the face of so mm. many of these terrible problems highlights resilience. Um, right. And of course, these people shouldn't have to be that resilient. And it's amazing that they right. are. That's extraordinary in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's a really good point as well. Thank you for that. Um, to your knowledge, did Gaines and Morrison ever meet or exchange communication? Um, did he ever sort of publicly uh, acknowledge her work or vice versa? To my knowledge, they didn't. Uh, I know they were not um, close acquaintances at all. Whether they met or not, I can't really verify. Of course, in uh, researching for uh, an article of this kind, that was a question I was very uh, interested in. Um, but I do know this. I do know that he admired her work. So in an interview that he did, uh, I think in 1999, he was asked about uh, the, the uh, heroes of his day. And mm -hmm. I think he interpreted that question largely to mean, okay, who, what writers do I like now? <laughs> um, and he mentions only two by name. Mm -hmm. One, his friend, Alice Walker. Uh, they were very good friends. He, uh, she um, promoted his work was probably the reason why his um, novel from 1971, um, the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman got um, turned into a film mm. um, uh, because she wrote so highly of it in the times. Um, but Alice Walker and Morrison uh, are the two that he mentions uh, specifically mm. as quote, very good writers, um, very good African-American writers. Um, so, he was an admirer, but I think there is probably largely a writerly decorum um, <laughs> that writers follow right, right. Um, where, you know, you don't really talk too much about uh, your peers, yeah. uh, especially when someone is doing uh, an interview uh, of you. And, you know, the interviewer probably um, would want to respect that writer and not make the writer about or not make the interview about other writers. Uh, right. No, like, yeah, I hear you. This yeah. is your spotlight. And also, um, you know, you you might not have all perfectly positive things to say uh, about uh, your contemporaries' uh, work. And so, you know, you wouldn't want to be put on the spot. Um, right. Saying that Because, I mean, these are very, very good writers. And though they might admire the other work, they're going to find something wrong with it. Right, yeah. Um, and, you know, writers are sort of famously uh, sensitive. Um, so one wouldn't want to get that sort of misconstrued. Understood. And not only that, but I mean, you can say that, the you know, both of those women were phenomenal writers, 
I loved this book by her. I did not care for that book. Both of those things can be true, but you don't want to exactly. go down that like rabbit hole. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Understood. Exactly. Um, one thing that Morrison and Gaines do have in common is that they both had their books banned, uh, both by school systems and uh, prisons. Morrison addressed book banning directly uh, in Burn This Book, Notes on Literature and Engagement. Did uh, Gaines ever comment that you know of about his, his work being banned in those institutions? You know, I couldn't find anything um, on the question of... Um, uh, you know, it gains response to his books being banned in schools. I can't really find him commenting uh, much on that. Um, but it is true that, um, you know, Morrison, you know, when she heard about uh, Paradise being banned uh, in Texas, when she got the letter uh, from the Texas Department of Criminal Justice um, saying that, you know, Paradise was basically uh, causing riots, it really excited her. She thought how wonderful uh, I, that she succeeded. Yeah, <laughs> yes. right. I've written a book that yeah. um, is so dangerous it's, it, that it's you know exciting uh, riots in this terrible place. It actually needs to be uh, overhauled and mm -hmm. rioted anyway. Um, Gaines was uh, very very deeply uh, invested uh, in uh, the. Uh, penitentiary system, specifically uh, Angola State uh, Penitentiary in Louisiana, which was infamous uh, for its treatment of uh, its prisoners and uh, its uh, death penalties and uh, all of that. He corresponded with a number of inmates who had been uh, on, on death row. Um, largely uh, in preparation for his novel that was uh, largely about uh, the, the um, penitentiary, um, which was A Lesson Before Dying, mm -hmm. which as it happens, uh, you know, has been uh, banned in schools mm -hmm. um, and was also um, the novel that kind of I mean, he had been launched, but he had never been kind of a household name right. in the way that Morrison uh, had been. And she's still, uh, you know, more famous to be sure. But this really put him on uh, the map. Mm -hmm. So much so that Oprah caught wind of it and it became one of uh, 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 Oprah's pick for, picks for Oprah's book club. Mm. Um, and it's sort of interesting to me that uh, it's his novel on prison that's getting banned that is the one that Oprah chooses and the one that uh, kind of anoints him. Um, and Morrison, of course, is Beloved, uh, which is also a hyper-banned book mm -hmm. that uh, Oprah had chosen. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, I think Oprah knows what we know, that if it's banned, then it's probably saying something real important. <laughs> that's right, that's you right. Um, so, you know, I would imagine that he was probably very grateful. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. Yeah, there's something to be said. I'm reminded this is this is a this is a strange segue, but bear with me because it will make sense in a second. But I read, uh, I I but I've read several papers and I listened to a podcast about the um, parental advisory label that they stuck on CDs uh, in that started in the 80s for you know that was for violent and explicit language and that. Thank you, Tipper Gore. But that, you know, with artists like, um, you know, with NWA, they just realized if you just, they used to have it at the bottom of the CD. And then if they put it on the top of the CD, you could see it 
when it was on display in the in this in the in the record store I'm dating myself um and that they sold more and so then it just became a thing like make it bigger make it the whole album cover like embrace it and so it's kind of like this like banning that you're doing it's like the Streisand effect all you're doing is is, is <laughs> making more people want it so congratulations on not, not succeeding yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. um it's uh, you know and uh of course I mean I don't I don't at all celebrate the bands that are happening now uh, right. right? or whatever, but um, it is true that, you know, if you really want to get a rebellious teenager mm-hmm. interested in reading books, tell them, tell them you, you can't. Can. <laughs> yep. It's very true. I mean, it's, it's basic, basic psychology. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Um, what is, what's next for you research wise? Are there any um, papers or books that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Sure. Well, um, most immediately, I'm finishing um, an edition for um, Broadview Press of Nella Larson's Passing. Mm. Um, so that is uh, coming soon. And I am also um, finishing my first monograph, uh, which is tentatively titled um, Realism After Individualism, Women, Desire, and the Modern American Novel, mm-hmm. uh, which is about uh, the American realist novel from roughly 1890 uh, to 1920, um, focusing on a lot of writers who have just completely uh, fallen off the radar for reasons they talk about in the book, but that I think we all should be uh, still reading and would oh. um, think sort of better flesh out our understanding of American literary history. So those are the two big things uh, on my plate. Uh, so the second book that I'm working on uh, is on biraciality in American literature. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are books that, uh, you know, many have been on our radars for a long time, but scholarship hasn't really paid attention uh, to the fact that uh, the characters are biracial and haven't really thought about the difference that that makes uh, when often um, it's, you know, if they were, if they had two black parents and weren't biracial, the very plots that happened wouldn't have happened. The problems that they faced mm-hmm. uh, wouldn't have happened. So that book is trying to um, understand uh, biracial literature as this distinct subset within African-American literature and uh, with its own sort of set of conventions and its own uh, tradition. So uh, that's that second project. That sounds so interesting. I'm so, I'm, I'm intrigued to read that as well. Thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I'm excited to reread uh, Tragedy of Brady Sims after your paper. And um, I wish you all the best of luck with your, with your books and your research. Thank you very much, Mary. It's a pleasure to be here. This podcast is a production of Hopkins Press. For more information, please visit press.jhu.edu.